0: So be careful. A successful person, a person that may think the same as you, a person that may think differently than you, they may wear different stuff than you, be careful. Who you associate with, be careful who you tend to gravitate towards. And not all these things are bad we're going to be in James chapter 2 this morning. So if you have your phone uh, and you have your Bible app on there and you want to get there, or you have your Bible, or if you were handed a purple piece of paper like this, this is what we call our worship handout if you're visiting with us this morning. Uh, and in the middle of that, there are some blanks that we're going to go through. We're going to fill those out as we go through um, through James today. Uh, we started two weeks ago going through this. This book that is no nonsense, uh, is very, very blunt, it's in your face. We talked about who James was and why it was probably written that way. The fact that James is theologically uh, believed to be and uh, is the half-brother of Christ. Um, Came to faith later, as far as salvation goes. Now think about this. If you have a brother, just pretend that you do if you don't. But if you have a brother, now here's the twist. You ready? He's Jesus. How long would it take you? You see what I mean? It, it, took, it took James a long time to fully grasp the idea that his, his bio, half-biological brother literally was God incarnate sent from heaven. Literally. So he came to salvation. So we read in James, and some people avoid James like the plague. And here's why. <laughs> I talked a couple of weeks ago last week about if you watch a boxing match and maybe it's even a little guy that's in the boxing ring but they say that he has heavy hands. Okay, he, he hits hard. Okay, he swings from here. All right, Haymakers. James coming to faith later in life would have had more sense of urgency to get this word out and I think that's why he just doesn't beat around the bush. He just says here it is. Now, in 2017, here it is, a blunt statement, isn't always accepted well. Listen, I, I, I taught school for a while and I I dislike very much the word entitlement. But when you tell somebody straight up what's up, <laughs> sometimes it's not taken well. Sometimes people read James and go, wow, he's got a lot of nerve calling me out from, you know, 1,800 years ago. 1,900, 2,000 years ago. But the big thing that I want us to pick it up, and, and again, I want, to, I want to touch this with you. Somebody says, why are we just going through the book of James expositorily, breaking down all the verses, seeing what it says? Because here's the deal. If you read this book, and just read it, you'll think it's offensive, you won't like it, and you will not apply it. What I'm seeking to do is to take it out of its original context... Keep it in its context. Fast forward it to 2017 and look at what he is saying. He's going to be speaking to a group of people, these Jewish people that had become followers of Jesus, that would be called Messianic Jews. These people were part of the first church, where James served in the church in Jerusalem. Um, And we're going to go through some, some cool stuff this morning. But it's going to be difficult. So if you came in and said, man, I just can't wait to go to church today, so Mac can tell me what a wonderful person I am, you're in the wrong service. But know this, know that I'm in the boat with you. We're all humans, okay? Some of us are followers of Jesus, some of us maybe aren't there on the journey yet, okay? But I want to show you what James is talking about. Now, I read all of James. I studied it big time in seminary. Okay, it, uh, we, we we had to pick apart things that were really, really hard to, to pick apart. And when I look at the second chapter of James, and I look at it very broadly, or I look at the little, little subtitles that you have above some of the groups of verses, I thought, wow, well, the first 13 verses deal with this. Don't pick favorites. Love everyone love he literally that's the whole that's the whole thing and I, and I ask God I'm like God hey what can I possibly preach on that people are going to have not heard before and he says very very plainly to me not the audible voice of God but you can understand what I'm talking about if you have ever tried to discuss something with God and he says I didn't ask you necessarily for your opinion just preach what I told you to preach So, oftentimes we don't accept that kind of give and take because we've already decided that we're right in how we are going to do it. That's very dangerous. But when we get into the second chapter of James, literally it's about not showing favoritism. That's what the first 13 verses are about, not showing favoritism. I thought, well, yeah, just love people. Adjourned, right? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Just love people, okay? I don't care what color they are. I don't care if they have stripes or dots. I don't care if they have if they have different colored hair or no hair, okay? I don't care. Just love them. Adjourn. <laughs> I thought, man, this is going to be the easiest sermon in the world. Yeah, it's probably the most difficult because in this, God really dealt with me about some incredible truths that James was speaking to these people if you have your worship handout I want you to open it up to the blank where the blanks are and I want you to fill this in and this is the first one to our blanks look at this it says how would you describe grace and mercy now some of you are going oh, what does grace and mercy have anything to do with showing favoritism we'll get to that but how would you describe grace and how would you describe mercy grace can be described like this you receive something that you do not deserve Maybe you said something in an argument and someone forgave you. They gave you grace. You don't deserve that. Paul says in Romans that because you sin, you deserve death. Period. There is nothing else. You deserve to die because you sin. You don't deserve grace. Grace is something undeserved, but yet it's given. Now watch this. What's mercy? Mercy is not getting what you should have gotten. You're driving along Route 15 here. Going east or west doesn't matter. And you're going at a very controlled 56 miles an hour. You lie. <laughs> and you're driving to 56 miles an hour. I think, man, I'm being a good person today. Don't ever believe that lie. You're not. Okay? I know some of you that don't know me understand this. No one's good. We're all on the boat together. We're all in search of a Savior. In, we are in desperate need of His work in our life. So you're driving along. <sighs> it's a beautiful sunny day. You go going 56. Let's just say you creep up on 60. You do. Anyway, we're driving. And you get your doors blown off by this guy that just blows by you. Right, it cuts right in front of the no passing zone. He gets in right in time. Right? Like, man, what a jerk. I wish I was a cop. Right? I would pull him over so fast. Up the road, what you see is this car that's past you has gotten pulled over. The new law is you get in the other lane if there's no oncoming traffic and you go around the cop to protect them, and as you go by you go, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> is what you say. When something happens to someone else, you're okay with the outcome most of the time. Regardless if they get a ticket or not. But if you're driving 61 miles an hour, let's just say you had your speedometer set we'll just go with the leeway. I have a lot of cops in my family. We'll just go with the leeway that you could go 60 and not get pulled over. Let's say you're going down a hill and your cruise control oversped and you, you pass 60 miles an hour in your car. And while your car was governing itself back down to 60, a cop saw you, hit you with a gun, and pulled you over. And he gives you a ticket. It's not my fault, right? It's not my fault. You, sir, should extend some grace and mercy on my part. See, we have this idealism that whenever it doesn't involve us, karma. Get him. When it involves our family, or us, the first word that we yell is mercy. But if it's someone else that's done something to our family, the first word out of our mouth is justice. Justice. See, James is going to get real real specific when he's talking about grace and mercy because he's talking about the relationships with people. So I wrote I wrote this question so you could answer it on your on your worship handout maybe sometime this week. How would you describe grace and mercy? Maybe grace was maybe grace was something that you have been you've been given by a, a police officer or by your parents or somebody else. I want you to understand this because if you've been given this, God God is very clear. He says, if you've been given this, then you give it. There's no question. There's no argument. There's no scripture that says, hey, me and you, me and God, hey, let's just sit down and talk about if we should give grace or not. It's not there. He says, give it very plainly. Look at the second blank. Look at the second blank. What or how do you describe Favoritism. Anybody anybody have brothers and sisters when they grow up and they were the favorite? Go ahead. Go ahead. My people. Go ahead. Right. Listen. Favoritism is not always outlined like we see it there. What we see favoritism as in Scripture is this. In this context... This book was written before the Jerusalem Council, which was in A.D. 50. And I'm not going to bore you with a whole bunch of historical facts, but I can date James for you real close. It's written really close to that because James was a leader in the church in Jerusalem. It doesn't say anything about that council, therefore it's before, it's before 50, but we can have it after the middle 40s because of other ways that we can document this. So here it is, 49 A.D. Now, what's so important? It's says 15 or 16 years after the ministry of Jesus was over, He was crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. James is already, look how fast this is. The gospel is so fast, he's already involved in a church in Jerusalem. Do you know what Jerusalem was when Jesus was alive? I hate Jesus City. And the first church is coming out of there. 3000 people had been saved just probably counting men when Peter gives the sermon at, at Pentecost and he, and he gives and he gives this huge huge sermon and, and all these people the church in Jerusalem was big but James was not written to that church that church had been dispersed out they'd been hunted literally Listen, I, I, I prayed I prayed in the first service and I thanked God for the country that we live in because we have freedom to do so. I can legally and absolutely very, very humbly please understand that preach out of this Word of God without consequence other than somebody getting mad about what God's Word said. That happens all the time. They come to me, I can't believe you said that. Listen, it's right here. I didn't write it. I'm only 37. Right? Right, James. Listen, this is this is very difficult. So these people, the, the, these Jewish people. Now think about how think about how you would react. James is here. Okay, so James is somewhere here. So we have this much of the Bible that's not James, right? Who's God's favorite chosen people? The Jews. Now watch. Now, these Jews have understood what it means to have a salvation relationship with Jesus. They're Christians, followers of Jesus, okay? When they spread out, they don't all live together. It's not like a, a congregation of 8 or 10 Jews live in their own little, little tent city. Because they'll be way too susceptible for attack and to be killed. Okay, These are strategically placed people out in the world. So who do they have to live with? Oh. There are neighbors now this is going to be this is almost a this is a this was probably a cuss word in the in, in biblical times to a jew we our next door neighbor is a Gentile this was how Jews all the way before Okay. All the way before the New Testament. The Jews literally walked around with their nose up in the air. when They, they would go around countries because they would call them unclean. This is where we find the story that Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. Listen, the Jewish people used to walk all the way around the country. Walked around just because they didn't want to talk to them. They didn't exchange birthday cards. They didn't text each other and say, Hey, love your outfit, LOL. No! They did, they did not like each other. So the Jews like the word favoritism when it revolves around them. The Jews are special. They are. They're God's holy chosen people. But check this out. These people now live among the heathens when Jesus died, He didn't just come for the Jewish people. He claims, I love this, He comes to set the captives free. Who's the captives? We are. Everybody that's lost in sin is. And He came for all, for God so loved the world, period. World. Stripes, dots, black, white, green, orange, I don't care. Jesus died for you. I don't care. But it's very difficult because these Jewish people liked what they liked. They have a tradition. Right? Oh boy. How about this? If you don't think tradition is important, I want you to go to the University of Notre Dame. And I want you to paint the defensive helmets blue. Uh-huh. Are you Notre Dame fans in here? Are their helmets blue? No. What color are they? They're gold. How often are they painted? Anybody know this? For every game. That's a lot of paint. And they're gold, right? Traditions get set, and we don't want to move from them because it's always what we've always done. Now, that's a school, okay. They uh, have a long history. Uh, I love the movie Rudy. I just, I'm not a big Notre Dame fan. <laughs> <laughs> So when James when James reaches out to these people, he is literally taking their pillar of traditionalism and he is just taking an axe to the bottom of it. Cut it down. What do you mean? I have listen, can you imagine being a Jewish person and getting this letter from James? No. I don't want to talk to my neighbor. They don't own a John Deere Lawnmower. <laughs> my neighbor doesn't 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 kill the weeds, and they don't fertilize their yard. And I've noticed that on a west wind, they can mow right on my property edge and blow and blow dandelions about halfway across my manicured, beautiful fairway yard. <laughs> Listen, the, where we get we get too stuck. And, ye- and yes, yes, I take good care of my yard, okay? I'm, it's a curse, okay? I don't know. Uh, I, but I, I like to mow. I know people are thinking, man, your first time here, you're going, man, this guy's weird. He likes to mow. <laughs> Listen, the first chapter in in chapter 1, James has told them that they have to control their tongue. These these Jewish people are, are having a hard time getting along with their Gentile buddies, their, their neighbors. Listen, they should be thankful for them. Do you know why? Because a person coming in may or may not, just by sight, recognize if they're a Jew or a Gentile. So, if there was a group of 10 or 12 of them and they saw an authority and they all ran, guess what? They're all Jewish people, right? So they could, they could blend in. They could, they could hide. But what James is telling me, says, you're not just dispersed from Jerusalem on accident. You have a job. Much like we do. Look at James chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. As we study the first 13 verses this morning. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in your glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Okay, If James was here today and he, say, he, just, he says this quote, this is a mic drop quote. If you have received, listen, how can you claim to be a follower of Jesus? is what he's saying in our words. How can you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you only love or only go associate with certain people? How about this? We have, we have a chair right here and a chair right here. I have you come in the back, and you can only see the backs of their heads. But I have a, a very nicely dressed woman right here, and she's wearing some awesome perfume that, that my wife wears. It's Estee Lauder Pleasures. I love it. It smells great. I know what it smells like. My wife is hot. She, yeah, she smells good, right? So, so she sits here, and, but you can only see the back. And then right here, I have a guy that hasn't showered in a couple weeks. Okay, the smell is different. We're going to be obvious here, right? You walk down. You have a free choice. Which one do you want to sit by? The easy path of least resistance is to come in and head south and sit right here. It's comfort. James speaks about this much comfort in the entire book added together about comfort. Nothing. He says, You're not called to be comfortable. This is the brother of Jesus. You think his life was comfortable? Imagine this. I come in and James gets in trouble. He goes, Why don't you ever blame Jesus? <laughs> Your brother is Jesus. <laughs> he's had a hard he's had a hard way to go. James starts swinging from the fences right here. How in the world will people see Jesus in you if you don't love everyone? We can, we complain about people doing things to us, yet we won't give forgiveness to someone else. You want, you want God to change you? Thursday nights we have celebrate recovery here. If you want if you want God to teach you how to give and forgive, get over. Then man, you know you know a lot about that. I graduated a twelve step program out of CR. Well, I can't believe our pastor goes to CR. Listen, I'm a human. Have to have extravagant addictions to go to CR. You can battle anger, you can battle depression, and that sums my life up right there. What we do is we 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 need to ask God to help us offer that forgiveness. Some of you, some of you walk around, you've been walking around a long time. We're really good at keeping score, aren't we? I don't want to forgive that person. Listen, I have two children. I get I get I get lessons live all the time. Okay? Lydia do something to Emma. Emma do something to Lydia. I'll come to them. Mary come to them. You need to apologize to your your sister. Ready? Replay of my house. Sorry. (laughs) They're nine and six. Almost nine and six. Listen. Uh, Sorry. No, you're not. One time I got on to my daughter. And I said, you don't mean that. You're sorry that you got caught. And I'm telling you, as, as much as I'm standing here right now, God spoke to me and He says, sometimes you're just sorry that you got caught too. Whew! <laughs> right? Yeah. Listen, we are called, if we've been given forgiveness, we give it. Period. There is no argument. There's, there's no other formula. James says right here, favoritism is a sin. Look at verse 2. For example, someone comes into, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. Okay. I'll give you an example. I'll be the pastor because that's what I am. First, okay. person comes in. Oh my gosh. He's wearing aqua de joe cologne. It's $100 a bottle. He's got a three-piece suit. Did you see the Mercedes that he pulled in? I hope he comes to this church and he gives money. <laughs> right? Poor person comes in. He can sit here. Just, if you could just sit back somewhere over there. That's what, I'm very, 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 very proud of the people that go to church here that I get to lead spiritually. They don't care. They don't. We are supposed to love, period. Love, period. Not love, comma, but. Love, period. James is is warning them. He says, listen, don't just become friends in these places where you are. Don't become friends with just the wealthy. Just the people that can give you something. Jesus Himself tells people when He invites them to a banquet, don't invite the rich ones, because they already have enough. Invite the poor that don't have anything. Wow. Giving. Giving. Look at verse 3. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? He swings a hammer in this book. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, if, you go, if I go through a woods that I have permission to hunt, I don't go to random woods and woods and cut trees, okay? But if I have permission to cut a path that would lead to a food plot where I have, where I have food that helps sustain deer and grows big antlers and cool stuff like that. And I mow a path or I trim a path and it, and it goes in between some big brush piles that the deer don't have to go through the brush piles. and So there's a nice path going through the woods. Take one guess where the deer walk. The path. Why? Least resistance. Sometimes we just want to do what we want to do because it's something that we've always done, it's very familiar to us, and it lets us stay comfortable. There are zero things that James writes in this book about being comfortable other than you need to get uncomfortable. And he says, he says doesn't this discrimination... Can you imagine... Just telling somebody to sit on the floor, you're not that important. Have you been this person before? I have. It doesn't feel too hot. You know what I wanted to do? Get out of there. I wanted to go away and I wasn't going to come back. In fact, I have a story about me being that person. But look at this. In the last part of 4, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? You know as well as I do that you can look at someone, look at a house they have, a car they have, a, something that they're wearing, how they smell. Maybe, maybe you've smelled that perfume and you're just like, man, well, I can't ever buy that. But you recognize that smell. Our brain is fantastic with recognizing smells and, and taking us back to where we saw or heard, or heard that smell. I can tell you right now that I can tell you exactly what Donna Garrett's sugar cookies smelled like. Exactly. I haven't had one in 20 years. She passed away. I can tell you exactly what they smelled like the texture of the icing and the cookie you don't forget that stuff but I've been on the receiving end of being judged June 28th, 2002 I just have a thing with numbers and dates okay Okay, I'm not some kind of genius I just remember dates June 28th, 2002 I think the average temperature for that week was very hot (laughs) Okay, 90s I worked outside at an agribusiness. Wow. I spread fertilizer. Uh, did, uh, anybody ever mess with chemical herbicides and pesticides, stuff like that? Anybody know what prowl is? They put on soybeans. It looks like motor oil. It's awesome. <laughs> Until it hits water. And it turns like really, really happy psycho yellow. And I mean like staying for day years. Okay? This stuff is just nasty. Usually we have gloves on we're handling it, but so, here's my outfit. Ready? I've got Wolverine steel-toed slip-on boots that have no representation of them being even close to no younger than a year old. They're pounded. They're ripped. They're stepped on. Then I have some of the most awesome Sunday jeans you would ever have seen because they were so holy. Okay? I have pockets ripped off the back. I have holes that you can see boots through. You can see my knees through. But I worked in chemicals. I'm not going to be wearing dress pants, nor khakis, or anything like this. And I had a, and I had a, a cut-off t-shirt on. Okay? Backwards hat, holes in the t-shirt, chemical all over the t-shirt, and I went to pick up something that I ordered the week before. And I left work because I was in a very big hurry, and I went to Terre Haute, Indiana, and I ran through the mall. If you've ever been to the mall in Terre Haute, it is not low class. This is pretty uppity. And here I come. <laughs> my boots, my jeans, my shirt. I got a farmer's tan that's the best farmer's tan you've ever seen. It's like here to here is just white, right? Okay, and this is this is just this is really this is really tan. So so I'm in here and I, I walk into Zales jewelry store. And I knew that I was going to ask Mary to be my fiance that day. But Mary was all the way over in Missouri and I was up in Terre Haute. And I walked in. And this lady goes, I, love this. I wish I could have had a video. She goes, uh, Can I help you? She completely thought I was lost. All right? she, there was no way you were really in there for a ring. And she said, Okay. She said, I said, My name's Matt. I'm here to pick up a ring. Uh, we sized it. It's, it's a four. I need to pick it up today. I'm going to go to Missouri and ask my wife to marry me. Or my, my fiancé. My hope to be fiancé. Please, Lord, let her say yes. Okay? I was a little nervous. And I said... I said, I'm here to pick it up. You know what the first question she asked me was? What kind of payment plan do you want? (laughs) And me, being just a tad smart, elegant, sarcastic, I pulled my filthy wallet out of my back pocket and I flipped it open with my gear on (laughs) and I said, do you take cash? (laughs) They had judged the book by the cover. They didn't know that I worked my backside off taking two whole checks, doing what I needed to do, getting the cash, because I didn't want a ring payment, I wanted to pay for it. And you should have saw the look on her face. She was, uh, yes sir, we do, take, uh, we, do, we do take cash. Man, I got it. Gift wrapped. It, I mean, they were like, oh, sorry, let me take care of this. I mean, I just laid out $100 bills. But she judged me because of what I look like. How guilty I am of doing the exact same thing with people that I'm around. I am, and so are you. See, we often judge a book, we judge a person. What we, what we see, we tell our brain that's all we know. We see it, we know it. We see it, we know it. You see a giant fish splash in a pond, and you will tell yourself, that is a nine-pound bass. I'm here to tell you that there are very seldom ponds or lakes in this part of the state that hold nine-pound bass. And if, the, and if you catch one, weigh it and let it go. Because it took them about 30 years to get that big. But we, we, ju- we see things and we instantly we know. We, we've judged. This is, this is our thing. Look at the next blank on your, on your worship handout. Look at this. This is what gets us in trouble. Instead of judging for yourselves, we should listen to God's Word. What does it tell us? Instead of judging for ourselves. You ever told God your opinion? <laughs> it works out well, huh? How about this? Maybe you've heard some things like this. Uh, if I wanted your opinion, I would give it to you. Close your mouth when you're talking to me. Right? They're funny. But what it is, is we... we basically, when you, when you think those things, whether you say them or not, you're already thinking, I know better than you do. You can't possibly give me any information, and I have no desire to have any dealings with you. So instead of judging for ourselves, you know, I, I knew a lady in a church and we needed to expand our building and she called my dad and I over to her house. She lived in a, I think it was two bedrooms. She had two bedrooms and a bathroom, a very, very, very small, I'm talking eight or 900 square foot house. Very frugal with her money. She never married. She, we were getting ready to build on a church. We were going to vote on the on the property and she said, she said, how much would it be to build a brand new church? I judged very quickly. Why are you even asking this question? How about I an answer like this? A lot. She was no, specifically, what would it be to build a building, turn key, give us the keys, everything built inside it? I'm like, Pff, More money than you have. That's my, this was my mind. Okay? My dad dad says well the figure that we have I was on the trustees at that time and and my dad said it's $496,000 and I watched her write out a check and then she handed it to me that's the most nervous I've ever been in my life I like this this is half a million dollars and she said when you talk to the church and you vote on it if they vote to step out in faith that God will take care of them it's yours if they vote it down you have to give it back to me and I voided it and I'm very very sad to say that she had to void that check because people weren't... They judged for their self. I know what we need to do. I know where we need to go. Instead of doing what we decide is right, when do we listen? When do we listen? Look at verse 5. James says this. He says, listen to me. I think very very seriously these should be all capital letters. I don't think he plays around. Listen! Listen! I knew, I knew a pastor, he's passed away, and his, he told me that his, he had a couple brothers, and he said that his mom would get so upset at them that, that she would call them little idiots. <laughs> he, she goes, little idiots, come here. Listen, he's not saying anything different. Listen. And he says, listen, I, I want you to pay attention. Look how he cares for you. Dear brothers and sisters, you don't say that to somebody that you don't like. He said, I want you to learn. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? A Jewish person traditionally would have known Scripture. This is 15 years after Jesus dies. Jesus, 15 years prior to this being written, said, Blessed are the poor. They will inherit the earth. The first will be last. The last will be first. Ding! God has chosen the poor. Look at how many stories in the New Testament and the Old Testament you see things happen with poor people. What is the difference? Aren't they the ones who inherit the kingdom of heaven Who or He promised to those who love Him? This is Jesus talking. James is reiterating His words. We see poor people being involved in miracles all the time in the Bible. Why? I believe it's because they have more humility. Jesus a conversation. (laughs) And we've we've redone his name here. It's 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 really the rich young ruler. You know, we just call him the rich young dude. (laughs) And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you the man. I want to follow you, brother. So Jesus says some of the hardest things in the entire New Testament to him. He said, I want you to go home. I want you to sell everything that you have. I want you to give it to the poor and then you can come follow me. And it says the man went away, disappointed because he couldn't do that. And then Jesus reiterates, He says, a camel can go through the eye of a needle rather than a rich man entering the kingdom of heaven because rich people don't understand that there is a need. A comfortable person does not understand that there is a need in a poor person who has to deal day to day and practice faith day to day. You understand. Look at verse 6. But you dishonor the poor. You don't want to hang out with them. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? He's getting on to them, he's saying, Listen, you just want to be like this upper percentage person. And if they tax you and you don't pay, they take you to court. And then they take your house, and then they take your yard, and then they take your whatever. But you but you wanna be with but you wanna be like them. Right? This is what I think we're lacking with role models. High majority of role models in this country, those kids, when they grow up to be if they could be exactly like them, they would say they want to, and when they got there, they would say i would don 't want to be this guy. Some of the biggest role models in my entire life are not famous, none of them are none of them are none of the heroes in my life are famous look aren 't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ now, he's, now he takes a shot at the Pharisees. <laughs> These guys walk in with their gold and their robes and their, listen to me while I pray. And Jesus goes, they're wrong. Whose name, whose noble name you bear? Listen, they're the one who slayed Christ. They say they're important. But these people that this was written to have been forgiven. They are different. Look at verse 8 with me. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. When did you learn this? I can tell you. Kindergarten. In my kindergarten, there were two things that were awesome. They were both the same thing, but there were two of them. And they were awesome. They were Hot Wheels Corvettes. And if you were lucky enough to get over to the toy box first you could play f- with the red Corvette for the first five minutes of break time. I've seen pushing, biting, shoving, kicking, tripping in order to get that Corvette. And it was in kindergarten where Miss Copley said, Matt, Matthew, you need to learn how to share. Yeah, about that. I got the Corvette today. <laughs> and she taught us how to share. My mom and dad taught us how to share. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Learn, learning that giving is also a blessing. Being able to give to other people. In John fifteen twelve, Jesus says the same thing. Love your neighbor. Paul, t- Paul teaches about this in Romans and Galatians. Luke talks about it in Luke and Acts. It's all over the New Testament. Love your neighbor. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians, Paul again says, the greatest of these is love. I was at a wedding yesterday. It was beautiful. I'm standing right here beside the guy. He was nervous. He saw his bride come in, being walked by her father, and she got to that back, that back aisle, and all of a sudden he just had tears. And he told me in the kitchen while we were in there, ten minutes before the wedding, and he said, I love her so much because she loves God first and me second. I had no problem doing this wedding. It was a worship service. Love your neighbor as yourself. Putting other people first. Look at verse 9. No, I'm sorry. Look at your worship handout. Look at this. This is how we get in trouble. I talked to you about this. Too often, we decide what's right and we decide what's wrong. And I know none of you have ever done this. This is just a sermon for me. That's sarcasm. Too often, we decide what's right and we decide what's wrong. I want to go 65 miles an hour. Fine. There have been literally there have been people that shed the blood of their life to give you freedom. You can do whatever you want to. If you get caught, it's your problem. But then we say, "Well, I shouldn't have got caught because so and so did this." And you walk around work and you walk around going, "Um, we're really good at keeping score, by the way. We can do this. Not you, not you. Oh yeah, you. June twenty third of last year, you hurt my feelings." You want me to do what for you? No, June 23rd, you hurt my feelings. My daughter's the same way. After they, after they apologize, sorry, right? The, let's, say, let's, say, let's say Emma does something to Lydia. Emma has to apologize. And then Emma asks Lydia to get her a drink of water. You know what Lydia says? No. Why? She keeps score. So then we make Lydia go get a drink of water for Emma, if it's that situation. Because we teach our kids that you have to get over people treating you badly because it's going to happen. It's not an if. He says, we decide. Listen, my kids do this. The problem is I do it. Too often I decide what's right and I decide what's wrong. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I am right. You ever try to tell God you're right? If you want to hear God laugh, give Him your opinion, right? Don't try it. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Look at verse 9. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You were guilty of breaking the law. The law being broken to a group of Jewish traditional people becoming Messianic Jews. They still understood the old law. Holy cow, we can't break the law. It didn't matter if they broke the law or not. There was no Jewish person that kept up with 630 some laws. They all broke one. He's talking about not the law, of the 600 and from the Old Testament the traditional he says in verse 10 he says for the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws it doesn't matter if you're a little sinner or a big sinner and there are no little sinners by the way we're in great need of a big savior you can talk to somebody about the 10 commandments it's really it's is. This is a really, really awesome way to kind of let people understand that. Somebody comes up to me and says, I'm a good person. I keep the Ten Commandments. Okay. I said, You ever killed anybody? No. I say, You ever hated anybody? Oh, yeah. Jesus said you committed murder in your, in, your, in your mind and in your heart. No, I haven't. They decided that they decided, right? So they come over here and say, I've never committed adultery. I've been married for 15 years. I've never committed adultery. You ever lust after a woman or a man, depending on who that is, in your heart? Yeah, we're human, right? Jesus says that's adultery. When When you put a mirror up to the Ten Commandments and compare yourself to that, you do not fare well. And one's enough. Sin separates us from God. The wages of that sin is death. It says, for the person who keeps all the laws except one is guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. Look at verse 12. So whatever you say you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. This is what it means. It is going to come. Sorry, verse 11. For the same God that said you must not commit adultery, you also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you've still broken the law. He's saying, he just goes back here. He says, listen. Out of those two, if you haven't committed one then you've done the other, it doesn't matter. You're not good. You're in need. So it so goes on <clears throat> and, and, and in, verse, in verse 12. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. If you're a forgiven person and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you ask the Holy Spirit to come in, you ask God to forgive you of your sins, believe that Jesus died on the cross, you have a relationship you, in a church word, you're saved. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ. If you have this relationship, the old law doesn't matter to you. Period. It doesn't matter to anyone. In the end, God is going to say, okay, yep, yep, Jesus is going to be the greatest attorney in the world. You stand before God completely, absolutely, totally unworthy, and completely guilty. <laughs> shall let you into heaven you shouldn't but Jesus says no he accepted I died for this one he accepted me and you gain everything remember you'll be judged by the law that sets you free whether you have it or not how do you treat others? Are they important? This is where James and Paul kind of get get confused and it looks like they butt heads. There's a lot of theological people that say James just said, do good things and you go to heaven. It's not true. Study it. James says you do things as a result of your faith. And there, him and Paul would have not meshed at all. Or not, not confronted each other at all. They would have meshed well. Paul speaks faith. He's saved saved by, by grace through faith. And as a result of that, James says, it should show. It should show. Look at verse 13. You want to talk about a slap in the face? There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. The easiest example of this I've ever seen is in a 1980s movie. Karate Kid. Daniel's on, you know, he's limping. It's horrible 80's acting. But Daniel is over there and of course the match cannot go on and all this stuff. And the other guy goes up and he looks at his sensei and his sensei says, sweep the leg, it hurts Daniel. And the next one he goes, no mercy. And then Daniel, you know, does the Mr. Miyagi crane kick, kicks him in the face. And he lands on on the miraculously hurt foot. If you've seen it, go back and watch it. He was just hobbling and he's, he's like this and he stands on it. Listen, If you've been shown mercy for something that you've done, you understand what it meant to get it. So you should be understanding of what you need to do to give it. If you've been given, if you've been given merciful God, if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when He judges you. This is where again they they let well. It's all about what you do. No, it's all about what you believe and who you have here. Period as a result of you having Christ in your life it will come out so we take this journey through James we we are getting just slapped back and forth with what I refer to often as spiritual spatulas man that was pretty sharp Yeah. some of you go home some of you probably have this absolutely just decorated with noodles or some of you may have decorated with actual notes and you go home and go you know what Man, I need to work on some of this stuff. Yeah. Welcome to being in existence, okay? As a human. But if there is something, someone in your life that you have not given that forgiveness to, James right here is saying this. If you've been forgiven, how in the world can you possibly recollect in your head that you shouldn't have to give it? And I know. Some things that have happened to you are not your fault. They're just not. And I understand how hard and difficult it is to forgive somebody that repeatedly does the same thing. Jesus, in fact, was not talking about 700... Uh, or let's see, let's see, 70 times... He wasn't talking about 490 times when He says forgive somebody 70 times 7. He wasn't talking about 490. I've done that math. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> You're on 468 right now. Two more times, buddy. Right? If you have been given forgiveness, James says, people that are living out in these Gentile places that 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 are that are literally looking for them to answer. Listen, these Jewish Messianic Christians, they had answers. They were Christian people just like us. If you have a relationship with Christ, and he James is telling me, he's like, you were some of the first missionaries ever in the world. You're living among a great people group to witness to. Why? Because the Gentiles didn't even go to church. They were considered heathen, pagan. They're not even worth... Listen, some of the Jewish people, they were probably mocked. They probably told them horrible things about them. You're not worth it. They called Sumerians half-breeds. doesn't get much worse than that. Literally had a thinking and a mindset that they weren't, the other people weren't worth Jesus. And now James is saying, listen, you little idiots... Take what you know and put it into action so that people can see how you love, how you forgive and be attractional to the kingdom. It's not about us. It has zero to do with us. We just get to be used. I love the scripture that talks about earthen vessels. A clay pot is just a clay pot. If you fill it up with water, you have a clay pot full of water. If you fill the clay pot up with gold, you have a very expensive clay pot. No. The contents of the clay pot are very expensive. What makes them the dif- What's the difference between the one that holds the water and the one that holds the gold? Absolutely nothing. We all have our different things that we are to do. Our job here, and if you're joining us new today, our job here, what we, have, what we are doing, is we are trying to share with the Mount Vernon community and surrounding areas... That Jesus can help them. Because there's a lot of people walking around with no hope. James says there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy. I want to challenge you this week show it. Your waitress gets you the wrong thing, don't blow up. Say, hey, mistakes happen. Right? Applicable stuff. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, for the ability to live in a country that's free. To go to church that has people that desire to serve you. And God, as we continue our journey through James, that you direct our hearts, you direct our minds. Deal with us this week. Teach us about this favoritism stuff, about how to show mercy to people that don't deserve it. To give because we've been given to. God, we love You, we thank You for this wonderful, beautiful weather. We just ask that You keep us safe this week and that we honor You and glorify You with whatever we do. In Your name we pray. Amen.